Good morning, Fairhill Church. All right, if kids want to head out, ages four to six, they can go to their uh, special kids lesson. Special for Christmas, so that's exciting. Uh, the rest of us, we will be exploring once again the Advent season, and today we are looking, uh, as we already spoke, at the subject of love. All right, now, what does Christmas have to do with love? All right, once again, we're looking for depth here, right? We're looking for depth because it can simply be this kind of warm, fuzzy feeling and that, that Christmas is in the air and it's the greatest time of year and you just kind of have this, this loving feeling. All right, we want to do better than that. All right, if, if when you hear Christmas and you hear love, uh, all it is is just kind of this fuzzy feeling we get when we've spent three hours opening presents and eating candy. Uh, it's not very deep. If, if you spend time with anyone uh, indulging in materialism and hedonism, and uh, you generally have some warm, fuzzy feelings for each other. You know, it's, it's, all right, it's a lot more than that. And we want a lot more than that. Uh, we want to know the love that God expresses towards us in this gift of Jesus Christ. And how that is just this unfathomable source of, of love from our Father. And that we celebrate that this Christmas season. He addresses our deepest needs. He pays the ultimate cost. And he loves us in Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about God's love for us in Jesus. And we're going to talk about the call for us to love one another out of that. But then finally, we're going to talk about God's love for us in the Holy Spirit as well, and how these, uh, these three come together as the Holy Spirit unites us to Christ and calls us to love. So let's turn to 1 John and read that. We're reading 1 John uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his son to be the savior of the world, Whoever confesses that Christ is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would give um, depth of understanding to what is... Uh, 
a source of unfathomable riches and kindness, your love for us in Christ. Father, we ask that you would take away this, uh, the air of, of cheesiness around the, the concept of love or uh, embarrassment with it. Father, would you instead uh, cause us to, to bask in your great love? And Father, would we take the mantle of love uh, upon ourselves, that in the name of Christ we may love others, uh, not in a superficial or emotional way, but with all the depth of the cross and the resurrection. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So we're going to start by looking at uh, the depth of God's love for us in Christ. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. All right, so we talked about the warm, fuzzy kind of love, and you could easily get there from just these couple verses. That this is just kind of this simple... uh, warm feeling towards one another and that Christmas kind of fosters that and it's very vague and the logic usually goes like this. All right, so God is love. Now that is true. And everyone in our culture has heard that verse and likes it. All right, but what happens? They say, God is love. And then they say, okay, what is love? Love is just this universal positive regard and acceptance, unconditional, that seeks just to delight in the person as they are. All right? And then they go back and say, okay, then love is God, God is love. So then God, he must be this source of just unending acceptance and kindness and positive regard no matter what. All right. That fits well with the Christmas season. We can just say, oh, yeah, we can, be, we can get all about that. That sounds great. All right. But the passage itself, it, it does so much more than that. It defines this love. It defines this love and helps us to understand it. Verse, verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, a a propitiation for our sins. All right. So how does God show his love for us? He shows his love for us in giving us his son. Now, this is Christmas season, right? It's gift time. All right, you know the love languages? Have you heard of the love languages? All right, there's, there's, there's five of them. All right, there's uh, giving. There's giving, all right? You know, there's four other ones, which everyone uh, kind of acts like these are the four good ones, and giving is the bad one. Uh, acts of service and quality time and words of affirmation and uh, the other one, touch, touch. Uh, <laughs> We don't get a lot of that one from God, which upsets Casey. Um, all right. All right. So God chooses to show us his great love for us in, in which one of these? In giving. Giving can be and a great expression of love. And what does God give us as a gift? 
It's not salvation. It's not grace. It's not mercy. It's not life. He gives us his only son. Of all of the gifts he could give, he gives us his son. All right. Now there's this unfortunate reality, but it is true, uh, that the worth of a gift expresses the, the worth of the love. All right. Have you ever opened a present and it's just like really cheap? <laughs> I'm sure you have. All right. There was a person in, in, in my life, in my family's life, and like you just knew. You knew you were getting something cheap from this person. All right. And you opened it up and you're like, all right, this is from the Coles clearance bin in the very back. And like it's just going to go straight to Goodwill. And we just all gather up all those presents and just like put them in the, in the pile. Uh, all right, what does it communicate? For better or for worse, it communicates like a lack of, of love, of understanding, of care. And then we take a, a you open that same, get an expensive gift. And it feels different. It's like, oh, like it, you, you're connecting some amount of worth there. All right, but what if you take something that is like, is the prized possession of this person? You don't rarely see those kind of gifts given. But like the, the grandfather who gives his like prized muscle car to his grandson and like, it is, it is this great gift of love, something that cannot be replaced, it cannot be bought, it is, it is a treasure. We see this with like heirloom jewelry that's passed down and like it's the, it's the most precious thing of this person and it's given as a gift, as an act of love. That means something. So how does God show his great love for us? It's hard because he can literally create anything by the word of his, his mouth, right? He has complete power. He owns everything. And so... What is the most precious thing? His one and only son. His one and only son. And we have to try to, try to capture, okay, who, who is the son to the father? Right. Now, God is, is one and three all at the same time. One essence, three persons. But the father and the son, they, they share this love that goes before all of creation in the unfathomable past for all eternity. And what did they share? They just shared utter love and affection and peace and joy, like a mutual delight in each other. And like that is the, the foundational relationship of all, of all of life. Every every loving relationship is patterned off of this, this reality. Of the love between the persons of the Trinity in perfect power and glory, never needing anything, but never wanting for anything, completely satisfied in love and fellowship and affection. And in all of that love, what does the father do? The father says, you know, I will, 
I will show my love towards my creation, towards humanity, towards my people, by giving them my son, by sending them my son, this one. And the son, in turn, like, agreeing with his plan, like, yeah, I, I want to do that too. I, I will go. I will be the, the treasured gift given to creation. Now, it would be one thing if, if Jesus just came to, to be with us. But no, he comes in, in weakness and in poverty. He comes to abandon all of the glory and power and authority. And, and what does he take upon himself? Instead, he takes upon himself humiliation, the, the burden of the law, the ridicule of the world, the hatred of all sinners to be beaten and mocked and abused and ultimately hung on the cross, murdered. Right? That, is, that is the love of our Father that he would give to his children his most prized possession, knowing that we would trample upon it. But he knew, no, I must do this in love. That's what we're talking about. It is the most precious of gifts, the most costly of gifts, the thing of most infinite value that is supposed to symbolize the love of God. Now, why is it such a good gift? Why is it such a good gift? All right, is it a gift that we desperately need? It's one thing to get something that you kind of want. It's another thing to get something like you, you cannot live without. And that's what we're talking about here. This is, this is the one thing we most absolutely need. We need a propitiation. We need an atoning sacrifice. We need someone to deliver us from all of the wrath and judgment that we have piled upon ourselves. And God sees our need. And he sees that we, we cannot save ourselves and so he sends his son. All right, he does not stand aloof. He does not stand far away. He knows what we need, and he gives it to us in great love. But notice, it, this is not the universally accepting God. This is not the God who just kind of, you know, everyone can come. Everyone, love, love. No, he gives us what we, what we desperately need, which is deliverance from the wrath and the judgment that is upon us for sin. It's a love that addresses us in our need, not one that denies our needs. Now, why else is this, is this gift so precious and proof of God's love? Now, look at the result of it. What is it? That we may have life. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, what is this life? It would be one thing if this life were kind of just like, give us life and, and leave. 
But no, he, he loves us such that he gives us life with him and in him. That we dwell with him for all eternity. That we can enter into the throne room. That we can have this amazing relationship with, with God the Father through the Son by the Spirit. And it's a restoration to real loving relationship. And that we actually get to enjoy that Trinitarian love and be part of it. We get to be like caught up in the middle of it. And we're seated on the very same throne that Christ is seated on. And to know like the peace and fellowship and joy of being one with this God. This is an act of great love. Now, it's also a great gift and proof of his love because it is completely one-sided. Not because we loved God, but that he loved us. The point of this wasn't that we loved him first or that we loved him and then he loved us or even that after he loved us, then we might love him back It is never going to be equal. The scale, it will never be balanced. He will always love us infinitely more than we can possibly fathom and more than we could ever repay. Now, that's not there to to shame us. It's it's there to, to show us that whatever love you think that God has for you, it's so much more. And as much love as you might feel for a person, like God infinitely loves his people more than that. That he would give far more than you could ever give. He he delights in you far more than he could possibly communicate. Like we cannot fathom it, we do not understand. And we don't owe him anything for it. That is the love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. A love where we actually hated him and wanted to kill and destroy the thing that he loved most. But he loved us enough that he didn't care and he did it anyway. That is the love of God towards his people. All right, now I ask you, Do you believe this? Do you know it? Do you have the questions that come up like the, well, maybe maybe he doesn't love me. Why would he do this if he did? Does Does he not care? Does he not know me well enough to give me what I need or what I want? Right? He knows what you need. He knows what will bring you greatest joy. He knows what will bring you life, and he's given it in Jesus Christ. Now, so we have two choices. All right. In trying to test and assess his love, we can either look at our lives and, and judge the way that God is doing things and say, you know what, I'll, I'll test God and see if he loves me. Which, as sinners, we're not very good at, and we want things that are stupid, and so we're not great. All right. Or... We can have the crystal clear proof that God loves us because he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on our behalf. 
and bring us into right standing with him and enjoy life forevermore as a gift of grace as by nothing but faith. Right. Do you need proof that God loves you? Do you need more proof that God loves you? Right. Do you receive that gift as a gift of love? He loves us. And he has proved it in Christ. All right, so what does that mean for us then? All right, so we have received this love. We have been given this gift. Then he turns. John turns and he says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. All right, there's a natural assumption here. That is all throughout scripture. It's just like, if you have been loved this much, then out of the knowledge and wealth of that love, you will love others in return. Now, it usually doesn't go, which we might expect, that he loves us and then we love him. That's not usually how it goes. It says, no, he loves us, you go love other people. That's the relationship. Because it can be really easy to love God. Because you can kind of just have warm, fuzzy feelings towards a person that you can't see or touch. Or... But what are we called to do? No, we're called to love as Jesus did. All right, what does this look like? First, all right, it means offering the things that are our, our greatest loves, our greatest treasures, our greatest pleasures, our greatest joys, and gifting those things to other people in love. It means taking all of this love that you have for yourself and love for all of these things and, and, and trading them in a desire to love other people more. That is how God loved us, and that, that's what we're called to do. This is not warm, fuzzy feelings of affection. This is costly, sacrificial love. It is in giving people what they truly need. We needed a Savior. He gives us a Savior. And if we are loving as Christ loved, we are looking for the needs of the people around us and the people that we're trying to love and we're seeking to meet those needs. We're seeking to give them things that they, they cannot give in return. It means giving life to people. Notice what it says. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. All right, so our love, our love is, a, is giving people and showing people God, giving them life and showing them the life that's found in Christ. And that's where we're giving. We're giving someone so much more than just kind of kindness or, or happiness. We're seeking to love them and, and give them life. 
which honestly might make them mad. Because the only way to life is Christ. The only way to life is repentance. The only way to life is to to die to ourselves and find our lives in him. And so if if your concept of love is just people-pleasing or making people happy and smile, it's deeper even than that. We have to die to our love of pleasing people and live to, to give them life. Now, finally, and this is the hardest one, if we are loving as Christ loved, as God loved us in Christ, it's going to be one-sided. That we are called to love people who hate us, who are unlovable and unlovely. And that's where we, right, when we sit down on Christmas morning and we say, I just love you guys, uh, these are all the people who love us the best and who know us and have poured their lives into us. And then there's this whole other set of people who hate us and would use us and would abandon us. And what does God say? He says, like, love like that. Love in a way that you could give your most treasured possessions and they would trample them and you would say, like, I communicated love to them regardless that was the point and makes us that vulnerable and now look at what that kind of love does if we love one another God lives in us and his love is made complete in us his love is made complete in us Right, there's this concept that uh, as we receive this love, the vast measures of it, all right, it's, it can be like a black hole, and we just kind of suck it all into ourselves, and it, it never fills anything. All right, but for those who like really understand and, and have received infinite amounts of love, it naturally starts to overflow. That as we fully understand the depth of God's love for us and believe it, it starts to overflow out of us and into the lives of people. And as we love people, the love is made complete. It comes full circle. It's hard, this is hard to communicate. Um... You don't really know the love of God. I don't really know the love of God. None of us know the love of God until we're so filled with God's love for us that we can love people like this. Because it shows we really get it. And it shows that it's real. That there are springs of love inside of us that we're not stingy with the cups of water we hand out. That's what we're talking about. And you can say you understand the love of God and then you meet the most annoying person that you never want to talk to ever again and you realize like, nope, I don't have it in me. <laughs> I, 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 need, I need more fountains. Like, it's, it's not coming. And what is that? That's, that's God. His love is made complete in us. 
and we really know when we're in him when we, we can actually draw upon those things. All right. So, question time. Uh, how are you doing at loving? All right. Also, uh, we'll go one, one level down. Do you believe that this is how you are called to love people? All right, that, that's, that's, that's step one. That's actually what we're called to. Some people are like, no, that would be, that would be uh, mistreating myself to love other people like that. No, that would be loving like God and loving to his glory and loving in a way that, that entrusts ourselves to God. All right. Is the Christmas season one of love for you? This kind of love. That's where we realize, like, oh, that, that actually would be really tough to express that kind of love during Christmas. Like, that, that's what we're talking about. And we're like, love other people and light the candle. Like, that's, that's a lot to say and a lot to call us to. Do you want God's love to be complete in you? Do you want it to be complete? Do you want it to overflow? Do you want it to, to bubble up and, and flow out? All right. Now, how can we grow in this? All right. I'm guessing a lot of us are, don't feel like we're loving like this. And that's where God gives us a second gift. Verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be our, the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. What is this saying? This is recognizing that, all right, God sent Jesus as this great gift of love to prove his love and show his love, and then the gift left. All right, that's a problem. And so who needs to come? A second gift needs to be given, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he makes sure that we get the gift. Because in all of our sin, in all of our blindness, in all of our hard-heartedness, we don't even want the greatest gift. We trample the gift. We hate the gift. We despise the gift. We run from the gift. Or we just don't get it. And we don't receive it as the love that it is. And so what does he do? He sends the Holy Spirit to prove it to us. And if God gives us this gift, the Holy Spirit, he helps us unwrap it. Because most of the time we just leave it sitting in the corner. He enables us in all of our sin, in our shame, in our hiding in the darkness, in our hatred of God, in our fear of him. He overwhelms us with all of that. He pushes it aside and helps us to receive Jesus Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. 
So you see, you see the, the, the building of this, like God loves us and he sends his son and we're such idiots, we can't even receive the son. And so what does he do? He sends another gift, the Holy Spirit, so that we might receive it. So that even we who don't want the love might have it. That is his pursuit of us. Even we who thinks it's worthless, he convinces us that we take this prize and enjoy the, the riches of the love God and Jesus Christ. Now, as I say that, do you, do you know that believing in Christ is proof, a second proof that he loves you and he pursues you? The fact that you have any regard for Jesus Christ is evidence that he has loved you and has given you his spirit is overwhelmed all of your sin and rebellion and hatred and placed in there a love for Christ. That is a miraculous, amazing thing. And one more reason to say, okay, does, does God love me? And it's like, yes. Left to yourselves, you would have no love for Jesus. You would not want the gift. And yet, if you do, there is great love there. Now, for some of you, you, you have not received Christ. You've not put your faith in him. You have not, like, kind of received the gift and, like, okay, you can be my savior. I will let you die for my sins. And that's why I say, like, if the Holy Spirit is giving you that desire, is, is giving you this desire for Christ, this, this any kind of love for him, this desire to be right with him, to have this relationship, all right, that is the Holy Spirit working. And if you want him, take him. If you want Jesus, he is there offering himself. No, nothing is more discouraging than someone says, like, I, I want Jesus, but I don't think he wants me. Like, if you want him, he wants you. That's proof. The proof that, that you want him is proof that he, he wants you. Otherwise, you shouldn't want him. So take him. Get him. That is the Holy Spirit working. Do not leave that gift. So the Holy Spirit, he, he helps us receive Christ. He helps us receive the love of God in Christ. And he does the second thing. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So the Holy Spirit, he starts first by giving us this relationship, and then the rest of his work is spent trying to convince us that we might know and rely upon that love. Galatians 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. All right, what is the Holy Spirit doing? 
He is in your heart, crying out, like, why is he crying? He's, he's calling out to you and, like, reminding you of who you are and what is true of you, that, that you are crying, Abba, Father, that you are a child. That you have this relationship. That you are loved. That you may know it and believe it and see it in every interaction in all of your life? Are you listening for the Abba Father? Are you listening for him crying those things out and reminding you of, of how the worth of Christ and the, the beauty of this gift, the work that he has done in you so that he might possess you as a son, then there's that second thing, which is the last point here. He helps us to rely upon that love. Right? So there's knowing it, and then there's relying on it when we need it most. What does this look like? This looks like in temptation. When lies are poured forth and the, the serpent is whispering and you have all these lies, like, you know, God is withholding from you. He's keeping the best for himself. He doesn't care. He isn't here. He doesn't listen. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and what is he doing? He's saying, no, rely on his love. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He calls that out to us like, of course, he, no, he wants what is best for you. He wants, he's given you his son. He cannot give you anything better. Why would he be withholding? Why would he keep from you what is best if it were not for your good? Kids, your parents probably, probably don't believe this about them either, but they probably do think this, like if they're keeping something from you, it is for your good. God does the same thing. Do not doubt his love when we don't get what we want, what we think is best. We are foolish children. Or we think something bad happens. I think I, I'm amazed by my own lack of faith when like how quickly it can turn and I'm like, God hates me. And like, he's not in control and it's... A, what is the Holy Spirit? We listen to the Holy Spirit. What does he say? Like, no, you can trust him. God loves you. He is sovereignly in control of everything that happens. He gives good gifts to his children. When they ask for an egg, he doesn't give them a rock or a scorpion or a snake. He's working all things for the good of those who love him. Like, these are real truths that are built upon his love for us. Now, finally, maybe we ask, in times of sin, does he not love me anymore? Is he angry at me? Is he just waiting to crush me now? Right. While we are still sinners, he loved us. If he loved us then, he loves us now. He chooses Sinners to, to show 
his grace and his mercy. And nothing will throw us off more than in sin choosing to, to doubt his love. That just takes us deeper and deeper and we cannot get his love. No, we already have it in Christ. We must rely upon it and look past even our own shame and guilt and see the love that God has for us in Christ. God loves us in Jesus Christ and he's opened our eyes to that love by the Holy Spirit. Let us fill ourselves with that love that we may then pour it out. Amen? Let's pray. Father, as we hear these things, we are Lord, humbled by the, the depth of our failure to truly understand. And so we, we cry out for the Holy Spirit's help. Will you, will you help us to understand the height and depth and width and breadth of the love that you have for us in Jesus Christ? Father, would you change us that we would not be uh, orphan-hearted, always doubting if you are good, if you are with us, if you love us. But Father, would we instead look to the clear proof that you've given, eyes opened, and the ability to receive this one Jesus Christ who is great proof of your love for us. Father, we ask that you would also help uh, those who have not received Christ to grab hold of him, to receive the gift, and to know the love of Christ. Lord, would you be with us as we seek to love? Fill us, we pray in Christ's name.